Good Saturday morning. Another podcast for Hidden Treasures Revealed. We'll be back in one moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Sean, it's another good day, another opportunity to just live out the faith of God. And are you awake this morning, ready to go? Ready to go. Yeah, this I, this podcast for today, I actually came from Anna Ruth. We went line dancing last night, me and Cindy and Anna Ruth. And on the way back, I asked her, I what to do the podcast on. And this was what came to her mind. Um, and as I understand this coming from her, she's just had a, well, fairly recently had a, a girl, baby girl, young girl. Uh, and she's going to want to teach her what to look for in a godly man. And I mean, in reality, we we could sum this podcast up in oh, in a matter of just a couple seconds by saying, "Messiah." Okay, that's it. We're done. Hi. <laughs> right. This is a interesting thing because I hadn't thought uh, from this perspective, and I imagine at some point. Uh, that will go to the other side as well uh, uh, for as a man what to look for in a godly woman. But this is what Anna Ruth had brought up, and so this is what we're going to discuss for this morning. This is a a good thing for people to look into. But it's also something that I have to say that it is this is this is a tough thing in this day and age to find godly people. I mean truly godly people, not people who claim to be godly because there's no shortage of those people. But people who are truly godly, who are truly seeking God with all of their heart, uh, the first thing in this, I would say, is that you have to be, as a woman, if you want a godly man, the objective goal, the first thing for you is to be a godly woman. 
and to be godly, you have to at least be seeking with all of your heart, walking on that journey, and then bringing that to fulfillment in the circumcision of the heart where you can be as godly as any of the rest of us who have circumcision of the heart, that, that to have the fullness of deity in bodily form. And so for a woman looking for a man from this perspective, that for the woman it would be your objective goal that you would want to be godly first. What else would drive you to want a godly man? Now, this isn't the fact that you know women want to be with men uh, or they want to have that connection to a man, but without faith, whichever side you're on, it's still based in selfishness. And no matter how you look at it, everything, <clears throat> everything you do uh, prior to faith in God is you do it for self. And I know that there's a lot of people that would be like, uh, given an argument <coughs> about that, and you can argue with it, but it's a reality. So the first step in finding a godly man is being a godly woman. That that would be top number one and foremost in the midst of this. And then as we look at this, you have to look at your yourself and your temperament and uh, what your abilities are. Are you able, like Paul said, to live in this life unmarried and have your full devotion to God? And again, it's not a thing that marriage is frowned upon by God. But what Paul was saying when he was making his statements was that it, it it's easier for you to have a full devotion to God if you don't have somebody else in your life that the intention is you have full devotion to them. Because God's intention of Adam and Eve was that they would fully be devoted to each other. Adam would be fully devoted to Eve, Eve fully devoted to Adam. But the whole concept in that is that both of them would be fully committed to God, fully devoted to God, and then they can be fully devoted to each other. And we live in a world where too many times women and men try to, they try to do it for each other in the process of trying to put God in the midst of it. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, we've we've spoken about this in our gathering several different times about the aspect of look at look at our journey from a triangle perspective when we talk about faith faith in God and you have the the bottom that is connected along the way but then you have, it goes up and there's a point at the top 
And the objective goal in faith is, is yes, if you get married, you're connected at the bottom. But don't make your push towards each other. You don't make your looking at the other person and trying to get them to fulfill your needs and you trying to fulfill their needs rather than I'm going to, we're both going to look up that triangle towards God. And as we focus on God and we do uh, what God wants by walking in obedience to God, we will move closer to God. And as you move closer to God, you will move closer together as a couple. It's like the triangle starts as a huge triangle. Both parties are intended up towards God, not across towards each other. And as both people grow, that actual triangle gets smaller. So you get closer to God, but you also get closer to your spouse. And then you move up a little bit farther because that connection line of marriage is always going to be there. So that triangle, as you move up towards God, that triangle gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, which have you ever heard the saying tight knit group? This is, that's the objective goal of a marriage in the end of God, that you're a tight knit group not just one together. You know, God put it so that man and woman would be one by the physical union, but also one with God, so that all are one, all are ichad, they're unified with God. That's the objective goal, is that you want to... want to make sure, one, that your focus is on God, then if you can live in this life without any draw or devotion or without any draw to uh, male or female and just be fully devoted to God, then do so if you're capable. But if it puts you in a position where it would... uh, tempt you to sexual immorality, then get married so that that aspect can be handled between both the husband and the wife. Uh, And it's necessary that if you can't handle it, that you should get married so that you don't get drawn into temptation and then end up having that physical union with multiple different people thinking you're okay or that God's okay with that which they're not. The objective goal is that Adam and Eve came from one. Okay, they were one being. They weren't man, they weren't woman, they were mankind. They they were humankind, but together as one being. And then God separated the two so that Adam would have a helper. But not just Adam would have a helper, Eve would have a helper as well. As a woman who's looking for a godly man, the first step that I would see is even in this relationship, 
are they fully devoted to God first? Because that's the way it should be. And if you're a godly woman, you want your husband to be fully devoted to God because that's how he will learn how to be fully devoted to you. And if he if he treats God in full devotion, then he's going to be able to treat you in full devotion as well. But if you're looking for that, then you should be displaying the same principle, the same concepts. Uh, if you're raising a child in this world, if you want that child to grow up to find a godly husband or a godly wife. In order to do that, the parents must be godly. That, that's why God wants godly women to be connected to godly men so they have godly offspring. Well, the reason they have godly offspring is one, because God talks about that, uh, Paul talks about being sanctified uh, that the child sanctified by the belief, one or the other, or both of the parents. But it's important because of the programming with the brainwashing and mind control. Because innately, you're going to, uh, you're going to be a product of your environment. That is part of. Now, I'm not going to remove the fact that if you grew up in a bad environment and that you can't change. No, you can change. But the best opportunity for someone is to grow up in that godly perspective so that they can see what's going on and they will mirror what they do. And Anna Ruth and Josh are figuring that out as, as uh, Liliana is almost two, or she is two. Uh, but anyway... They're figuring that out because we have occasionally up till now, she hasn't done it recently, but she would ask me for my glasses. And when I give her my glasses, she puts them on. And then when she does, she kind of smiles and covers her mouth. And it's funny because the very first time that she put my glasses on her face, that's what her mom did. Her mom just kind of smiled and covered her mouth. And every time after that, Liliana did the same thing. And she's done things that uh, she mimics Joshua on as well. And so the first and foremost objective is what to look for in a godly man is, is that girl's father godly. If not, then you have to look beyond him to someone who is like God. So if you grew up in a, uh, in a toxic environment, then you have to figure out how to get away from your programming and move into a faith in God, which will allow you to see what a godly man is supposed to do have that faith first see god and the the way that they operate messiah the way messiah operated and then 
if you're going to look for somebody, look for somebody who walks as Messiah did. That will be the telltale that they're a godly man. And there are other signs in the midst of this as well. Um, But it is really important that if you're raising children, that you raise godly children. You raise children who are uh, seeing what a godly woman and what a godly man does because it's a it's a twofold aspect in a family relationship. Well, threefold actually, but you have the mother that's teaching the daughter how to act as a woman in faith, but you have the father that's showing the daughter what she's looking for because that's her programming. That's what she's looking for is how the father's going to behave. And I see this all the time, and many people don't say it, that you, without knowing it, you marry your parents. I mean, in, in, in not exact, but in many different features through what your programming is that, you know, maybe your mom had uh, brown hair, you date somebody who has brown hair, or it could be uh, her demeanor or her, the way she herself and uh, things that she does will have similar qualities to your mom thing. If you're a guy, uh, if you're a girl, you'll be looking for somebody who's similar to your dad. And if you're a guy, you'll be looking for somebody who's similar to your mom. And even if you grew up in a toxic family, you set your mind, you you don't want to have anything to do with anybody like that. You can't help yourself. You're going to find that in somebody. Even if you try to connect yourself to male to male and, male and female to female, you're still going to be connected to somebody who's fit what your programming is. It's what you know. You don't know that you're programmed. You don't know that you're brainwashed and mind control because people don't tell you. People don't talk about that. They make you aware that that's what's happening. And so uh, I'll give you an opportunity to speak on this uh, objective, but I would say for the first objective goal would be that you're in faith first or you're seeking God with all of your heart and you at least find somebody who's seeking with all of their heart. If you want to have that good, uh, solid, godly, committed relationship, it's a must. And people get married and they stay together, but the quality of their relationship is miserable without God at the front of it, God being the focus point on everybody. And it's beautiful because we have a great example of, from a man's perspective, and I, when I'm looking at God, okay, I'm looking to see how Abba, the father, acts, what he does, how, how he responds, how he treats the spirit. And then I mirror that. 
And then the woman doesn't look to Abba. The woman looks to uh, Mother, the Spirit. And then she mirrors how the Spirit interacts with Abba. And she mirrors that so that she's being godly, he's being godly, and then you bring the godly offspring, and then the child is there uh, until connected to somebody else. His biggest or his or her biggest focus should be on Messiah, which Messiah was the child. And we still want to have a connection to all of them. But if you're a woman trying to find a godly man, then act like the Spirit of God acts. The Spirit of God would do, and then look for somebody who has the Spirit of Abba that's in them. And so uh, I'll it over to you and what your thoughts are on this for this morning. I don't know if she's listening or not, but I'm going to, I'm sure at some point she will. I'm going to take Anna Ruth back to a place because it's going to help answer her question on this. And Anna Ruth, when you were in the skate park, when you were at the park and you asked God, just give me a sign that you're there, that, that I know that you're there and make it clear to me. Well, you weren't seeking after Josh at the time, because you didn't know Josh, but you're seeking after God. And what did Yah do that Josh ended up being there, that it's your seeking with all your heart that brought you to God. And God knows the godly men and the godly women, the ones that are seeking with all their heart. And then Yah draw, drew Josh to you and vice versa. What stood out to me in this is Stop looking for the man or woman and look at God. Because the point is, is looking for a godly man, not looking for a man that's godly. And that'll sound like it's, and I'll explain. Seek Yah first on the man or woman side, and Yah will lead you to that person that is seeking with all their heart. Because the eyes of the Lord range back and forth across the entire earth, seeking to strengthen the heart that's fully committed to them. So they see men and women that are doing that. Therefore, you focus on seeking God with all your heart and focusing your eyes on them. They will then draw you to the other person. Because the word says, draw near to God and they'll draw near to you. Yes, that is talking about drawing near to the Father the son and mother, but it also means that when you draw near to them, those that are godly, God will draw them to you. So what it, what I meant by that statement was, was this, that it's not that you don't seek after a man that's godly, but put the focus on where the focus needs to be. The godly first, and then after that, God will help you and guide you to this, if you're just out on your own, just looking for somebody, for example, if you're in the Christian church and you're looking for, you want a man of God, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to a bar? Are you going to go to a strip club? No, you're going to go to church. You're going to go to church meetings. Well, it's a similar thing with the people of God, that if you're a godly man or woman 
you're in the church of Messiah that you're not going to be going, well, you shouldn't be going to the world to look to find somebody that has the appearance of godliness. We got to be careful there because we know about the programming that, yeah, you can put on a actor appearance to look at, look, come across a certain way, but the focus should be seeking God with all your heart. What's speaking to me in this is the aspect of you do it, you live your faith, you put God first, and then in God's hands, let them draw you to the man or woman of God. It's the same thing with us. We don't know how many people are listening now or listening in the past or will be listening, but Yah knows the people that are listening. Yah knows the people that are seeking with all their hearts. So it's just like with us in this podcast, we're not doing this to, well, we'll do this so that we will get people. No. Messiah said that I will teach you how to fish and you'll become fishers of men. Well, we're putting the truth out there so that it will catch the people that are looking to get caught. The best thing that you can do, either looking for a godly man or godly woman, I'm in full agreement, that you look to God first, you see God with all your heart, and put it in Yah's hands, Yah, I desire to have this relationship with a man or a woman. I don't want it to be about what I want. I want it to be about what you want and what's pleasing to you. So as I'm looking at you, seeking after you, draw me to the godly man or the godly woman, the one that is the best for me while I still keep my focus on you. Because if you're going the route of looking for the godly man or woman on your own, then you're going to look at what your programming is and not that you are not, if you have, well, wherever you are on the journey, if you're not looking to change your programming, then you're just going to see what your programming sees And you'll be drawn to that as opposed to, yeah, help me to see, and we've even talked about this, Phil, that you, the, the male has an attraction to the woman and you see the thing and you say, oh, that, that woman is beautiful. But you ask God, show me the flaw so that if my eye is drawn towards another woman because of programming, because of that physical beauty, show me what I'm not seeing because the true beauty in your eyes is the quiet spirit. So get my mind away from that and what it should be And so much in the world, and we've come from this as well, is that the programming is when you see somebody and you see the physical appearance, you say, man, that person is so beautiful. That person is pretty. Even on Facebook, how many times have you seen this? You'll pull up some picture and there'll be 10 comments. And how many say, Absolutely beautiful, beautiful, stunning, beautiful. And y'all would look at that person and say, you're not in faith and you have sin. Absolutely ugly. Well, you can't call that person ugly. Well, according to God, you don't have a gentle and quiet spirit. You're not seeking God. That's ugly. People in the world would look at that and say, you're crazy. But you look at somebody, one person can see beauty, the other can see ugly. You and I could look at the same woman or man and say, what do you think of this person? Well, they look good or they look this or that, but how does that person feel on the inside? They could look absolutely, the world would say beautiful, 
and inside they think they're ugly. The best thing we can do is to be an example for other people. And that's what Messiah came to do. He came to be example, an example for us to follow. So the absolutely best thing that anybody can do is live the faith and focus all your your mind that you're fully committed, you're fully committing yourself to God and seek that path. And Yah will bring people into your path, just like Phil, you and I, that there's no coincidence that you and I came across each other like we did. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, well, it was just all, no, it was divine intervention, meaning that Yah had a plan. And it wasn't that this plan was just set out when we were born. It was just because of our lives and our circumstance that Yah looked at us and said, okay, these two. And they didn't have this predestined, all right, we'll pick them. We'll do all these things, but I see potential here and I'm going to bring these two together. And we're the ones that made the decisions to obey God through this whole thing. And because of that, look what's come from it. It's Yah has brought the increase, but we've just walked in obedience to them. You are a product of your environment, but you're also a product of your programming. So yes, you could come from, like you said, you come from an environment of toxicity, abuse, things like that. That's where your programming is. But by faith in Yah, you can escape the corruption by finding true faith in them that you can escape that life by making a decision that you're going to seek with all your heart. And as long as you do that and you continue in it, you will find the fullness of faith. So many times we'll wait around for me, myself included in the past, waiting for somebody else to change instead of the triangle. My focus is the top, which is Yah. And as I go up, the other person will follow. But what happens, and I just, as Yah was speaking this morning, I'm doing too much looking over here instead of looking up here as I'm, not that I'm I'm not looking over here, but I'm looking here first, but I'm still, I'm looking here, but I my focus is on God. And for Anna Ruth and any woman, and it, with having a child, having a daughter or son that you want, well, how do we, what's the best opportunity for them to see a godly man or godly woman that they can look at? Well, the way that you and Josh live is showing her the best example of a godly man and godly woman. And with that programming done with the help of Yah the correct way, Liliana, she will grow up looking and seeing her programming. And therefore, when she sees the godly, she will see the godly because she will be the attitude. She'll see when somebody says something and they respond the appropriate way. They dress a certain way that, it's not that God would just say, all right, here, here he is, or here, there she is. It'll be through discernment of, wow, this person, this is lining up with God. This is the person I'm going to pursue. And that's the best thing. The absolute best thing for anybody is you live the example. And Paul said this beautifully in the word. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Messiah. So Liliana will follow your example as you follow the example of mother, the spirit, Abba, the father. And then she will be just like Yeshua, that she will follow her parents. 
and this is not a you're living it in a perfected state where you don't make any mistakes because we all make mistakes but it's an aspect of perfecting that the best thing that you can do is live it the best you can and then that will give her anybody the best opportunity now people still have their own choices they have free will but your programming is what's going to drive the choice that you make. So the best opportunity, just like in the word it says for a believing husband, unbelieving husband, that it's not a guarantee that the husband or wife will turn to God in faith. But the best thing to do is you live it and give the example that that's what the person can see. And like the word says, who knows? Maybe they will turn, but it doesn't say that if you do this, it's an absolute guarantee but you can bank on it that if you're not living godly what the person is going to see it's not going to have an effect so this is just another one of those great questions uh, any questions that are of the things of god but it's because in this world that we're in now that is continually getting worse and worse and the programming of self selfishness and all that stuff that not it's not an impossible thing because we know that with god all things are possible so with the faith in yah that yes you can find godly men and women but if you're going to go to the world and have the world tell you what to do and how to do it don't follow that advice because the world would say oh yeah if you want a godly man then you go to church and you go to bible studies well but we know from the truth of god that people in christianity still sin so you go things and what do you you're going to gain somebody that's claiming faith in God, but still sinning. So how is that a benefit of a godly man or godly woman? So godly, just like the word says, train yourself to be godly, then is the person that you're pursuing being godly, or is there a pre pretending to be godly? Not that it's an intentional thing on their part, but it's the programming. So, just so far, those are my, my thoughts on this, but a, a great topic, good question, very important. And I agree that on, on the other side, what to look for in a godly woman, you can take this exact thing and put it uh, exactly on the other side as well. Correct. And I was thinking about when you brought up Josh and Anna Ruth, and when they first uh, came together, they uh, God drew them together because God was calling Anna Ruth, not because God was setting up a relationship for her. And I want people to know that whatever relationship you, you have with somebody, you choose with them. Uh, God... Uh, if you're godly and you're looking for somebody godly and God can put somebody in front of you, but you still have to choose that that's the person that you want. And it's interesting because when, when Josh and Anna Ruth got married, they didn't have, uh, Anna Ruth had circumcision of the heart, but Josh did not. And so uh, she thought she had found a godly man, but she didn't, and that was because of the whole base of Christianity and um, 
all of us were caught up in that at some point in time and even close to around that time of then coming to the realization of the circumcision of the heart and the farther you have to go in the journey. But uh, you can ask Anna Ruth and Josh and was, was it pleasant at the time, you know, cause they had some rough times just like the rest of us did when we got uh, yoked to somebody and God wasn't in the picture. And there, there was the reason that Anna Ruth was drawn to Josh is because Josh carries similar qualities to Anna Ruth's dad and uh, vice versa. Anna Ruth carries similar qualities to Josh's mom. And so that's why they they drew together was because of their programming and they got married, but then it was rough for a while. And just like my marriage, your marriage, anybody uh, married without faith in God, only the perception of the ideal of Christianity. Uh, no, it's, that's not what it's about. And, but now that Josh has circumcision of the heart, everything's great. Everything's good. No, this is what Paul was talking about when he said, I want to spare you of this because marriage brings extra, extra things because you have your own stuff to deal with in circumcision of the heart of lower conscious stuff that you've got to work on. And then in a marriage, you've got somebody else who's working on those things and you've got to train yourself not to focus, to focus on what you're doing. And that is a a key factor in the midst of it is stop focusing on what you're doing, focus on what you're doing. We can bring this to a aspect of, okay, well, what about people who want that godly man or that godly woman, but they're already locked in a marriage because they've had that union and they don't want to break that union because I, uh, God hates divorce. So, well, how do I make him be godly? How do I make her be godly? You don't. You, your objective goal is you be godly. You cannot change her. She cannot change you. The only person you can change is yourself. And one of those people choose that they're going to be fully devoted to God. Then it's up to the other person to whether they follow along or not. And here's the thing. The reason you don't want to look across to your spouse and be looking up is because what if you're in a position that you're yoked to your wife and you're, you did that in the midst of God, but she's not in circumcision of the heart yet, but you are, and you focus on God, then you stay united still, but you're still connected. Just because she's doesn't have circumcision of the heart does not mean that, well, I get to break that tie. I get to, no, no, you, what you get to do is be fully devoted to God. And 
here's here's what happens okay she could stay at the bottom but as far as you're concerned you keep moving up now that triangle that was a regular triangle now becomes obtuse because the one staying down the other one's moving up so the the your line shortens as you get closer to god but it lengthens as it pertains to her but the objective goal is is i don't care how far up i go i'm not going to break the triangle i'm not going to break the unity that i vowed to god that i was going to hold on to and most people make that vow till death till death do we part and for good reason that that's in there it is truly only at the point of death that a marriage is dissolved until that point of death you can get divorced but your marriage is still in place in the eyes of god because god hates divorce don't get divorced figure out how to work it out but in order to do that stop trying to change the other person stop trying to make the other be what you think they should be and you be what you put your focus on god you want your husband or your wife to be a godly wife then you be the godly husband and your full devotion is god and be the example so that she can follow and then maybe at some point she catches up and then you guys continue to move together because the only they catch up in the midst of it is just a matter of uh, her getting to circumcision of the heart and then when she has circumcision of the heart that triangle is no longer obtuse it's back to what it started but what happens is that triangle got smaller because you didn't go down to where she was you stay where you are and she comes up to where you are uh, because we don't want to go the opposite way we don't want the triangle getting bigger because that means we're getting we're moving away from god and too many marriage relationships that's what's happening because they're trying to please each other and when they find out they can't please each other they bring all this animosity and this fighting and quarreling and bickering which just keeps driving you farther and farther away from god so that triangle gets bigger and bigger and bigger and a lot of times it gets to the point where somebody decides they're going to break that triangle and a lot of times that get that decision gets made in a heated moment in the midst of frustration or anger and a lot of times people later on but once they've made that uh commitment uh I'm just going, we just divorce, just, I'm going to divorce you because, well, you actually carry that out and make that commitment to do it. Then you, you break that triangle. The objective goal again is whoever you are, be godly, find faith in God, circumcision of the heart, that is where you have the deity and bodily form usually so if as a, a dad you want your daughter to marry a godly man you have to be that man you you have to be 
the image of what you want her to be married to because she will be married to that type of individual that the father is, somebody who has very similar qualities. It won't be exact, but there'll be very similar qualities, and she won't even know why. Here's a good aspect for when, if you're really uh, seeking God with all of your heart and you're really wanting, uh, you want to find somebody in a relationship, well, you leave it in God's hands, but when somebody comes along, operate as though you're you're uh, deaf, mute, and blind. And I'll explain. Okay. The deaf, mute, and blind remove the physical attractions. That what somebody sounds like what somebody looks like. You remove that because somebody who's blind is not concerned with how you look physically. They're they're listening to your words and are you speaking in a manner that's pleasing to them? And so they don't have to. Uh, they will find somebody, like if you have somebody who's blind, they will still find somebody who's like their parents, but it's because of that deep programming within their subconscious that by communication, you will find that person. So we look, our first thing that we look at in this world is looks from a physical outward perspective. And how much of the actual human condition is the flesh on somebody? It's a very small percentage of the person themselves. Even the full body, flesh and bone, is only a small percentage. Well, it's it's, uh, 25% of who you are. Because you're 25% body, you're 25% mind, 25% heart, and 25% whole, uh, uh, soul. And that makes you 100% person. So only 25% is what the outside looks are about. And we get drawn into because we're looking for something specific in a look rather than an attitude. And I've seen many uh, people on both sides, male and female, that had good looks but had horrible attitudes and uh, demeanors and the way they uh, the, the way they deal with people it just... You, you sit there, and unfortunately, a lot of times, because you want that physical beauty, you're not paying attention to be able to see where that person is not acting right because you're not looking for it. See, you want somebody, if you're looking for a godly person, godly man, you want him to have the fruit of the Spirit. 
love. You want to be looking and seeing, is he doing this stuff for me and for him? Is this a benefit to both of us, or is he doing this because it benefits him? Because true love is based in what you're willing to do for the other person that is best for everybody. So that means if it's best that there's a rebuke, then I'm going to rebuke you. But I'm not doing it because I gain some sort of satisfaction out of it rather than it's a reality of truth, and that's what I'm going to do. And so peace. Don't just look at, yeah, many people can put on the perception of peace. You want to be looking at somebody in the midst of turmoil when aren't going the way that they hoped they would go, when, when things are all out of place, how do they act? Because a lot of times that's when people get off of what they're trying to get you to see is when things are chaotic. How are they acting? Are they responding in a peaceful way? This is a difficult situation, but we're going to figure out how to get through it and we'll move on. But most times you'll see that there's a rise. You know, the first time a guy might grab a girl by the arm with a little too much force. Generally, she's not going to think, oh, my gosh, he's an abuser. No, she's going to write it off. Oh, it was just that one time. Pay attention to how people act. Is he kind? Is he gentle? Is he self-controlled? All these things from the fruit of the Spirit are not things that you should be displaying when there's nothing going on and everything's just not smooth sailing. No, these are the things that should be displayed, and they should be displayed in that area, but they should be displayed when the storm's brewing, when the hurricane's coming through, and everything's in turmoil, except for the one who has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, that they are the calm in the storm. And for me, that's one of the things that I asked Yah uh, to help me to be able to achieve would be that I would be the calm in the storm instead of having to ask Messiah to calm the storm. God, just, just take this away. It's just too much. I want from a godly perspective, I want to be the calm in the storm. That, hey, hold tight, get a grip. It, this is this is a little rough, but it's going to be okay. Just, you'll see, it'll be all right. And so that uh, fruit of the Spirit is a good way to look at somebody 
and are they godly? But you really have to look into the chaotic moments and how they respond. Not chaotic moments, but that uh, moment stuff. I do something just out of the blue just to see how they respond because, or see how they'll do something to see them react and, or just watch when something happens, how they react. Do they react or do they respond? Do they pause before they uh, take action, taking thought and evaluation to respond or is it just a quick response? And you'll see that overflow of the heart. What comes out of the mouth is the overflow of the heart. And so if in a situation just something happens all of a sudden and you see them hit a, a, a point of rage, and not with you but with somebody else driving in the car, and somebody cuts you off. Somebody cuts them off. And what's their response? Do, do they get mad and frustrated and idiot? And he sh-? Or, you know, I've done that to people before. So instead of just uh, pushing on the gas and getting up on their backside and uh, tailgating them, I'm, I'm just going to back off because I've cut before not with intention and so I'm, I'm not going to worry about it but the whole key in it is that you're looking for how they react in a situation and you can react rightly out of your subconscious if it's programmed in a right perspective from the situation that you're in but the objective goal is see how they respond because if they respond to somebody cutting them off on the road as a woman if your husband reacts like that, then he's going to do that when you cut him off in a marriage relationship. When, when you do something that he doesn't like, he's going to treat you in the same fashion. And this is, uh, there are good clues and keys in you just studying somebody that you study them and you study them by, by watching what comes out of their action in a knee-jerk reaction? When something happens and they respond or they, they just come out right away with something, how did they respond? Was it frustration? Was it aggravation? Was it agitation? Or was it peace and calm and serenity? That, and not a pretense of it, but a true, no, it's, it's all right. Uh, let, me, let me back up. Let me... Let me Regroup my thoughts and how do I handle this situation? What's the best way? Because your heart will tell on you every time. And that's the thing. I taught a Sunday school class for a short period of time, junior high kids. And the reason I say it was a short period of time was because while I was teaching that class, the stuff that I, I was asked by the guy who used to teach it. He didn't know how to deal with teenagers if I would teach it. Teaching this junior high 
class, and I wasn't teaching them out of the book that the church wanted me to use. I was teaching them the realities of truth of the how to be a godly man and a godly woman and what to look for. And I would tell them, the, the girls, that, you know, well, I told the girls and the guys both that divorce is not acceptable by God. Now, necessary at times, did God have to separate himself from Israel at times? Yes, because of their behavior. But God takes no pleasure in divorce, nor does God want anybody to divorce. And if somebody divorces, they want that person to be uh, reconciled with the one they left. Uh, that's for sure. I kind of lost my train of thought on that. As as you're waiting for the thought to come back, there's people that will take the word of God and fit it to excuse their behavior. And I had a scripture come to us that people say, well, it's okay to divorce because Messiah okayed it. And I would say to that, that that is completely wrong because Messiah never has or never will okay and agree with divorce for any reason because God hates divorce. What gets misunderstood is that Moses gave people a certificate of divorce and that's what they brought up. But the point of the certificate of divorce wasn't that that was what God wanted. It was because of the hardness of their heart. They were given a certificate of divorce. And what Messiah was talking about is is who the adultery falls on. Not that, well, if it's for any other reason, then it's okay to divorce. And I've just, it came to mind to bring that out, the fact of God hates divorce. And even the fact is we don't divorce the enemy, we die. And that separates us from the enemy to where now we can be united with God. So we don't divorce because God hates it. So Yah is not going to be okay because even when they asked Messiah, they had the parable of the woman, if I remember right, the woman that died and then or the husband died and she kept remarrying. Well, whose husband is she? And no, you don't understand. It wasn't this way from the beginning that divorce is not what God wants. So you join to a person that you're expected to be with them until death. It's not pleasing to God that you divorce. and But people will take it because why do people allow divorces? And because where we came from Christianity and they would say, well, the, the word says that if it's for this reason, yeah, but, but what about when the word says it this way from the beginning and it's not supposed to be this way, a hardened heart. Okay. Well separate. If your hearts are hardened then you can separate, but it's not the plan of God to do that. If you come back together, which is the plan of God, come back together to that person and be reunited again. So, we don't advocate and will never advocate divorce and the word of God doesn't say that it's okay, but just because they did it doesn't mean you have an excuse to divorce because Moses gave him a certificate of divorce. Well, but that's not, that wasn't the will of God. It was just necessary because of the hardness of the heart. Well, faith in God means you don't have a hardened heart towards God. You have a, so that, and I don't know if your thought came back, but that came to mind because people will take this and say, well, you see, the Bible says it's okay. Well, it doesn't. Yeah, I was just getting, uh, I got sidetracked on the divorce thing. Um, but the perspective was to teach the kids that God doesn't accept divorce and also teaching 
you know, talking to the girls that look, if you're in a relationship and you see that, you know, he does things that like physically like grabbing you or that before you get caught in a marriage relationship with that person, before you're locked into that with them in the eyes of God, look for those things. And if you see them, then be very cautious and make sure that you get away from it. And what's interesting is that because of what I was teaching to the junior high kids, most of the parents were complaining to the church about what I was teaching the kids. And the reason they were complaining is because they were being convicted themselves because a lot of the kids in that class came from divorced families. And then they would go home and tell their parents that I said that divorce was not acceptable to God. And then the parents got upset and ultimately they ended up removing me from teaching that class on teaching junior high kids how to look for and be godly people. And this was what Christianity does and did. If you're not teaching what we want you to teach and we're going to tickle their itching ear and let them hear what they want to hear, then, well, it's a good thing I I was out of it then. Not for the the sake of the kids because I truly, uh, my heart was in it for the kids. I didn't care about what the parents thought because what I cared about was teaching them what the truth of God was and that's what I was doing. And because of it, you know, talking to them and telling the girls that because divorce is not an option in the eyes of God, even if you get in a relationship that is abusive, then you should trust in God and remain in that relationship. Don't, don't on your choice, you don't choose to leave that person. And this is where the guy who asked me to take over the class said, because he didn't want me telling his daughter that if she's married to somebody like that, that she needs in that relationship. And the whole concept of what I was telling them was so that they would avoid that in the first place so that they didn't get trapped in a place where they made a vow to God, and now they're going to break the vow to God, but God's going to surely demand it of you. And so my objective was to teach them at a young age so that later on they could look into these things, evaluate before they have that connection to somebody. And, you know, I mean, it's just the way it is that they... Uh, I I stopped teaching the class, and it's interesting because I did have one uh, one gentleman who was divorced, uh, and his son uh, talked to him about the stuff that we talked about. And I did have one person who who said that everything I was teaching was absolutely right, but that one person is not enough out of. Uh, the other group that didn't like what I was teaching. And of course you got grandparents that were part of the tied to some of the kids that 
they were questioning the grandparents about the whole divorce thing with with their parents and the grandparents didn't like that and it's like you sit and you try to teach them the truth but that those people in christianity they don't want you they want you to teach what they want you to teach and that's it they don't want you to teach what the truth is some truth as long as it feels good but it's questioning the parents and the grandparents and uh, their responsibilities then no you can't do that and it, it makes no sense to me of course again that was one of the reasons we left but the whole objective goal in bringing that out is to understand that there are signs that people will display in the midst of chaos or in the midst of a uh, something happening in an instant you study them and you watch their response. If they respond in anger and it's not godly anger, then, oh, I'm going to watch this. Do, is this something that may turn back on me if I, in a marriage relationship, cut him off? Is he going to come at me like that? You know, somebody makes him anger and they angry and he punches him. Oh, if I make him angry, is he going to punch me? You know, because, and people think, oh, no, well, this is another punch. So, and that guy deserved it. And, but the moment you cross him in a similar fashion, the odds are you're going to get a similar response from him or a reaction from him. And so there are things to look for. The uh, A big key in it is, one, if you want a godly man, you make sure you have circumcision of the heart before you make any connections to anybody because you need to have that direction of mother in you guiding you and directing you. And we are in a day and age where those people are fewer and far between. So the objective goal is you put your full devotion on God. And if you want to be connected to somebody else, you talk to God and say, hey, I'd really like to have a relationship with me. I know that marriage is, uh, is your intention in this world. And maybe they want to have kids or whatever along the way. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to help me to see the godly man that I'm looking for and I'll wait as long as it takes. But we live in a day and age where people are going to jump in bed the first date. I mean, that's happened in the past, but more, much more prevalent now. And sometimes just for a hookup, that's it. Just one time. And then, Oh, I'm not calling her back again. I got what I wanted and and I'm moving on. No aspect of a mindset of, no, I want to have full devotion to this person and I'm not going to have that physical relationship with them until I make sure I know that I'm going to love them, which means that I'm going to accept them for who they are and I'm going to do what's best for them always. I'm not going to do what 
my selfishness says that I want, I'm going to do what's best for them in the process of it. I had this come to mind in regard this to the gospel message in seeking God first and as you seek God you'll draw near to God they'll draw near and then Yah will help you in the process of you setting your mind that your desire that you want to have that relationship with a man or woman and it goes back to the truth of God once again beautifully you cannot be brought to a godly man, which is Messiah, without going to Abba first because you seek God with all your heart to be godly. And as you seek Abba first, you come to repent and walk in repentance. And then because you're looking for what is godly and Yah is looking for a godly woman for Messiah, Messiah is looking for a godly woman. And did he go out and say, I want a wife. I want a wife. I'm just looking for a wife or I'm doing what is best. I am loving the church by giving my life for it. So I'm giving you the example of the godly so that I can have a godly woman in this whole prearranged marriage aspect of Yah that you've got to be brought by the father to Yeshua to be qualified or set aside to this is the ones that I'm going to bring to my son because the bride of Messiah is a godly woman. And it made me think of on each side that you've got to meet, you've got to go through the family to get approval, Abba first and Yeshua and mother, so that now you're going to be, uh, you're going to be set up as the bride of Messiah, that godly woman that when the marriage comes, that the godly man and the godly woman are there. And it just made me think of an example, Messiah living that example, which would draw that godly woman to him because the godly woman, those that are seeking God, seeking faith, are looking for that relationship with God. And therefore, the eyes of the Lord see that that's the one that wants that true relationship. And this is now I'm going to bring you to my son to be the bride. And it it was one of those where just about a minute ago it hit me. I was like, wow, so this even gives a bigger picture of what people would look at as, well, did I, did I get, did I commit that one unforgivable sin and like at Hebrews and well, the only way to do that is because you fully committed yourself to Yah and because Yah is fully committed to you as well, that they give you circumcision of the heart. So you're united with Messiah, getting ready to be married to him. So you're fully committed. And the reason that it's blasphemy is because you're divorcing God. God will not divorce on their own. They will separate, but let me change that. Yah will not divorce the other person. The other person divorces God because you fully commit to them and you break the seal, which is mother, you divorce yourself from God. And that's the unforgivable sin because you fully committed to God and they fully committed to you and you broke the union. There's divorce. They hate divorce. And therefore you've broken that. You cannot come back to repentance. 
So those that are out there, and we've said this before, that you think you've committed that one unforgivable sin that, well, I think I did this and I blasphemed. No, because you would have to be at a point of the circumcision of the heart being joined to God by mother and the spirit that you break it. So you break off the full commitment, just like a marriage that you've been united because you have the fullness of deity in bodily form, that you've broken that seal, you've broken that marriage, and you cannot come back. That's why the seriousness of Messiah is faithful. Make sure that you continue to be faithful because you don't want to be separating yourself from God. So it just with all this, just with the gospel message, the gospel message gives us the opportunity that by seeking with all your heart, you're looking for Yah and that godly man for those seeking with all your heart is Messiah. Those that are the church are the bride. So you're looking for that godly man. So those that claim to be in him must walk as he did because that's who he's looking for. He's looking for the ones that are walking as he did, those that are living without sin, those that are doing what is right. So this whole aspect of what are the traits of a godly man, a godly woman, it goes with the gospel message as well, is that you want to be united with God, that you seek it out, and you seek to be unified, married to the godly man, which is Messiah. Then Messiah, he's looking for who are the ones are going to be drawn to me? It's the godly woman. I'm looking for the gentle and quiet spirit. I'm looking for the submissive woman. Well, we're called to be submissive to Messiah. So it's, it's this whole thing of the marriage and relationships goes so much deeper that in faith that when, even if you don't recognize it, when you seek with all your heart, you're seeking for to be married, to be joined to Messiah and you're willing to do anything to be cut off from being united with the enemy. Now you want to be united with God. So with any of these circular aspects, it goes so much deeper. And the best thing, just coming around the circular again, the best thing is you put your focus on God. You walk in the ways of God. Don't be focused on, not that you don't look at your, your spouse, but you focus on yourself in what you're doing and change yourself. And that's the best opportunity to remain in what came to mind. Cause you said obtuse is the equilateral triangle where there's equality on all sides of it. Equality with God, which means you'll have equality with each other. Not the, cause I remember that from a, a movie, one of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption, that he called him, you're being obtuse. And he got all upset. What do you mean I'm being obtuse? And it made me think that's why, because you're, you're, you're getting further and further away. Also, you're saying that I'm wrong or, and you start getting in arguments instead of, no, the equality doesn't mean one is better than the other. No, it means that you're in unity and you work together where all parties benefit in this relationship. There is no better relationship to have with a husband and wife than the husband and the wife fully committed to God. And if they're fully committed to God, they will be fully committed to each other where there's peace, where there's understanding. And in bringing it back to what you said about the lower conscience, it doesn't mean that you still don't have issues to deal with, but the mindset, the core is you're unified. And as the word says that if somebody is unified, what is there that you can't accomplish with God? All things are possible. So being united 
with God, all things are possible. Doesn't mean that God's going to do everything, but you have the best opportunity to have the best life in Messiah with peace, more peace in your mind, more peace with each other. And that's the best example for having a child. And then that child seeing the faith of each person so that when you change, when you train the child, how you train the child, because the, the word says, train the child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. But the truth of it is, is that in the way that you train the child is the way that they will go. So train the child that's in the godly ways and whatever you program, they will go with the programming. The, the programming is the key that your programming will take you where it takes you. So if you want the godly way, then you've got to have the godly programming. The child still has their own choice in that, but the best opportunity is you give them the godly example and you program them and that's the way that they will go. Well, I just had this interesting thought that without true faith in God, circumcision of the heart, the removal of sin, any marriage you enter into is a marriage of divorce. And I'll explain. What that means is is that even from the moment that you said, I do, to the other person in your vows before God, you didn't. You were, it, you were doing what you were doing. Without, without, this is without the true faith in God. You were acting in selfishness to find that person and to marry that person, and to live with that person, and to get what you wanted to get out of it that doesn't have anything to do with the other person. And the other person did the very same thing. Now, did you give a perception? Did each party give a perception that they were uh, united and they wanted to be together? Uh, yes, but that all goes out the door when something happens, the other person does something that you don't like, then all of a sudden, they're the bad guy. They're the wrong one. It's their problem. So what, what happens is people get married to live divorced because they still live their separate lives. They still live for self, uh, meaning they live for selfishness that when things don't go my way, I act like a two-year-old and throw my little temper tantrum because I didn't get my way, boo-hoo, wah. And then, but when things are good, oh, yeah, we, everything's good. We got to, when things feel good, but that's not the times that you tell. The times that you tell are when things don't feel good, when there are things that need to be worked on, and am I trying to get you to change or am I changing myself? so that I will change to show you that we can change instead of we live uh, in the worldly marriages, we live a divorced life. You, you do some things together, but you spend a lot of time doing your own thing. And in this day and age, most people, they spend their time on their phones or uh, not interacting with one another and not doing things together. And when they do things together, if the other person crosses them or does something they don't like, they get mad. They get frustrated. And 
from a godly perspective, that's not appropriate. You, you want to, no matter what happens, we want to learn and make sure that we're living in accordance with the reality of truth of God, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And love, again, is you doing what is best for the other person and yourself, not what's best for self. And many people do what's best for themselves under the pretense that they're doing it for somebody else. They're, I'm, I'm doing this for you. And then that person doesn't thank you and you get mad and you get upset because why? Because you were doing it for you. You were doing it for the feeling that it gave you. You get some sort of gratification in your subconscious out of doing what you're doing prior to having the fullness of faith in God. When you have the fullness of faith in God, then you start a journey of starting to work on making corrections. But like Paul said, that this is no marriage is no easy life. Now, as you grow closer to God and as she grows closer to God, then that the strains on the relationship are released and relieved more and more as time goes on. And the objective goal to one person or the other in that relationship is to make sure you're doing your part to be what God has designed you to be and make sure that you're not living your life separate from the other person, whether they're living their life separate from you. And many people live, they dwell in the same house, but they've been divorced since they got married. And I know that kind of sounds funny, but the reality is, is that you got married for selfish reasons and don't even realize it because it was in your lower conscience. And sometimes, well, this is what you do, or oh, I really, I really like this person. And yeah, cause you really like them. You really want them, but you only want them for when they're going to give you what you want. The objective goal is like, Prince Charming, a female that's looking for that Prince Charming, is she first being Cinderella? Is she being the aspect of mother in the Proverbs 31 woman that her concerns aren't about herself, but they're, her concerns are about everybody as a whole, and she falls within that. But again, too many, too many times people get married, but they continue to live separate lives. That obviously, you know, if you have two people that are working, they have to go, you know, unless they work together at the same job then they, they're going to go off to work. and But here's what happens. And this was early on in uh, our relationship with me and Cindy where we would go to work. This was after we were married. We spent, actually, we spent more time together before we were married, uh, like watching shows or doing things, and we did after and we got married and we would both go to work separate places. We get back home. 
we would get back home at different times because I would start earlier than she started. So I would get back earlier than she did. But I got home, I was back out the door going play ball or go do something else. And then she would come in. I wouldn't be there. And then uh, she'd change and she'd be out the door doing clogging or some other thing that she was doing, school or clogging. And then pretty much the only time we saw each other when, when, when we when we ate a meal together or we went to bed and that wasn't a good perspective. It wasn't good at all. Uh, and it was really rough for a long time because we were living selfish lives. And when you live a selfish life, you can, you can say you love your wife but if you don't have the fullness of faith in God to be able to understand what that means, you're lying to yourself and her. That's a fact. Because the only way you can even come close to being what you need to be is for you to have that circumcision of the heart where God is working on you. You're perfectly fine for God to be working on you. And you're not worrying about somebody else. And you're going to do what is right according to God, and I don't care that the other person doesn't change or doesn't move, but I know God says they hate divorce, so I'm going to remain in this relationship. Now, Paul makes a statement that, you know, if the unbeliever chooses to divorce, to leave, then let them go because you're not going to, that doesn't mean you want them to go, but okay, that's your choice. I don't want it, but if that's what you want, then I'm peaceable about it, but I don't want a divorce. So it is, uh, we have those aspects of the realities that people don't see when they get married in the world and they make a profession before God that they're going to love this person till death. And what they end up doing is loving themselves and not loving the other person. And this is why the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that carries over to the husband or the wife. Love your wife as you love yourself, because God knows that you are doing everything for yourself. So make sure that everything you do is for both people locked together in that union, and then you won't be divorced. You'll be living united lives together, coming together, and having that uh, union and not division. Unfortunately, people get married in the midst of division and they one comes in and goes out and hangs out with their friends while the other one goes and hangs out with their friends. And why? Because that's what they want. Because we have a hard time figuring out how to do what's right with and for the other person as well. And so just interesting things that I, uh, Yah brings about to 
help us to understand, know that what you do without faith in God is all based in selfishness. When you're a circumcision of the heart, you have the ability to start changing that selfishness, to get rid of selfishness, and then work self with yourself and your spouse together as one, and you won't be uh, divorced. When we look at what a woman should look for in a godly man, look for God. Look for the true reality of God, and you, you can see how the interaction between Abba and Mother, the Spirit, and that Mother will never argue with anything that Abba says, and Abba will never argue with Mother and anything that she does. Why? Because they're united. They're one. They're together. They operate as a cohesive uh, union, not a divided, uh, I, I can't even say divided union because <clears throat> there is no divided union. So it's really just a divided uh, pretense of union. And many people will claim they've got a good marriage. But I promise you, if you don't have faith in God with circumcision of the heart, that is a lie. And it's an absolute impossibility. I don't care how hard you try. You cannot get away from the fact that your selfishness, which which resides in your heart, is locked in there by the sinful nature. And the sinful nature has to be removed for you to be able to remove the selfishness. And without the fullness of faith in God, circumcision of the heart, the removal of sin, you do everything you do. The reason you do it, whether in your conscious mind or in your subconscious because of programming, muscle memory, you do it because of self. And self is not a bad thing if you're handling it appropriately. Selfishness is the bad thing, but when that selfishness is locked in the heart behind the sinful nature, everything you do, even in your pretense of doing good for somebody else, comes from a reason within your heart that gives you some sort of good feeling, gratification, uh, feeling of acceptance, of doing that you've done something good. It's all about you. If to argue with that, they're just arguing with the reality of truth because that is a fact. So the only way that you can even start to remove selfishness from yourself. You have to have the fullness of faith in circumcision of the heart. And if you're honest with yourself, and if you study yourself, and if you evaluate yourself, you will see that what I'm saying is absolutely true. And the only escape from it is the fullness of faith in Messiah, circumcision of the heart, mother within your heart, 
then giving you the ability to start emptying that garbage out of your subconscious and putting in good, clean, healthy furniture and getting rid of the garbage and the trash and the broken down furniture that reside in your heart. And people, some people know that they're selfish. Some people know that sometimes that when they acted, they're selfish. But most people don't know that without faith in God, without the fullness of faith, I'm not talking about a perception of Christianity of accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm talking about you walking through the gospel incision of the heart. It is an impossibility for you to do anything that does not benefit yourself and yourself alone. You think that somebody else is reaping the benefit of your being selfless, but you don't see that you did it because of selfishness. And again, just something simple as do something for somebody because you really want to do it for them and find yourself complaining because they didn't thank you. They didn't acknowledge that you did it for them. Why does it matter? Because if you didn't do it for self, then it, it doesn't matter. I did it because it was the right thing to do, and it doesn't matter how they respond. And if you do that without circumcision of the heart, you're putting on a show. Put the mask off. Recognize the selfishness that you have. God tells you you have it in the Bible, that love your neighbor as yourself because you're going to love yourself above everybody else. And the only way you can love your neighbor as yourself is one, you have to learn to love yourself from God's perspective, which is you're going to do what's best for you, which means you have to change your mindset. You have to change your heart. You have to change who you are and actually become a different person. And that different person is away from selfishness. It's a selfless, not a removal of self, but a selfless, what is, what is the self? It's the selfishness. So you less, you lease yourself from selfishness. Now you have self and it's okay to do things self, but when you do things for self, they will, it will benefit everybody and not just you and not, not in a pretense, but in a reality perspective. Yeah, the revelation from y'all and the selfishness part, just thinking, yeah, that that when you crucify yourself with Messiah, it's you're putting to death selfishness. Like you, you're not killing your whole self because then you wouldn't exist. It's getting rid of that part that is all about me, 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 which the best thing for yourself is to do what's best for you and everybody else because that is what love is because the word says is love. Well, how can you love if you don't have, yeah, you can't. It's just a selfish pretend love because with God, all things are possible. How do you love like God? Well, you be godly. You have God within your heart, within your mind to be able to carry this out. And the circular aspect that we talk about on faith, it's the ever increasing and growing. So these things that we're talking about you set your mind in it and then you start working at it and because it's a relationship 
So the more and more that you focus on you and your relationship with God, then you can relate to them. Then you can relate to other people in a, um, in a much different way. But yeah, with any of these things, these questions that we come up, uh, it just fascinates me how it, it, it comes back to the truth of God and the gospel message. And it all ties together that Yah does not like divorce because that's being separated. So this is a serious matter in regards to what we're speaking is that find where you can be. If you're looking for that godly man, that godly woman be making sure that you seek with all your heart so that you know what to look for. Because with programming, you're looking for what you've been programmed with instead of what really is godly. And look into that, look into the word, ask God about it to say, help me to see what is godly so that I can really hang on to it. And it's watching people's behavior because people will say things and then do the, the opposite. So look at the actions of the person as well as the words that come out of their mouth, because if they're actually doing what they're saying, which is a good thing, but make sure that what they're doing is lining up with the truth. Like you brought up with the, if somebody punches a wall, what if somebody punches them? And they respond with, they walk away. And the person in the world would say, well, they were a coward. They walked away from a fight. But wait a minute. Didn't Messiah say to turn the cheek? So them not retaliating, that's that's a good thing. Doesn't mean that they're not feeling it in their mind, which the mind, what they're thinking in their mind is more important. But just seeing that to where, wow, that they don't go out and pick fights. They don't if somebody punches them, they look to find a peaceable way out and walking away instead of escalating. Well, that's good. And social media and all these other things portray men and women. And the only way to really know what a man is, just coming back to what we talked about recently, what a man is, what a woman is from God's perspective is to, you've got to have the help of God to really the truth to figure out what a man and a woman is, because if you think you know what a man or woman is, and your thinking is based on what you see on social media and all this other stuff, then you're going to be looking for what you really don't, well, you're going to be looking for something thinking you're going to get it, but you're going to end up getting what you didn't think you would get because of programming, because it is true that men and women don't know from a, an aspect of not a physical trade aspect, but from the truth of God perspective, men and women don't know what men and women look like. So if you don't know that, then how are you going to find a godly man or woman when you don't even know what a godly man or woman is supposed to act like? You, you're just, well, I think, well, but with the truth of God, it should be about what you know. So I know that this is the godly behavior and that's what I'm looking for versus well, a man should do this. A woman should do that. Well, but just because they should or shouldn't do it doesn't mean that it's true. And this is a good thing to keep in mind that a godly person, whether male or female, is not an absolutely perfected person. It is somebody who is godly, who has, uh, who does not sin, that it's the only way you can be godly is if you don't sin, but you also know that you have stuff in your lower conscience that you still have to work on because that's the thorn in the flesh <clears throat> that you still have to, uh, 
work through those things. But you don't want to look at a man or a woman from this perspective of being godly that they do absolutely everything perfectly. Now, what do you want to look for is the fact that you see a true continued change in the selfishness perspective and you see the uh, that they're continuing to increase and improve and grow and become more and more like God, that's what you're looking for. You're not going to get that perfect where everything's just going to go perfectly smooth and no issues. Now, there's going to be some bumps in the road, but if your mind is set, whenever we hit a bump in the road, no matter how deep the bump is, if it's a small one, if it's a big one, that we're going to go through this together. We're going to go through this bump together and we're going to work through it and we'll come out in the end. We'll be stronger for it. And there will be struggles even in a marriage relationship of two people with circumcision of heart. It does improve and get better But there are struggles in the midst of it. And while each one is learning how to make themselves uh, more and more godly, there's still going to be the struggle of fighting a subconscious in the midst of it. And so it's not about being perfect. It's about perfecting. It's about a continual increase in improvement and getting away from the selfishness that you don't even know that you commit because you haven't really paid attention to it. And there's a good way that you can study other people and study them not for the reason of telling them what you see, but just study them to see that it's true what we're saying, that you just study other people and you watch them do something for somebody. And then Watch how they respond if somebody does thank them. They go, oh, yeah, I'm glad you like that. Okay, or I can see that you did that because that gives you that good feeling. Or they don't thank or they don't acknowledge. And oh, I can't believe that they didn't even say thank you. I, I, I did that for you and you didn't say thank you. Well, there you go. There's your selfishness because you can see it in other people. You don't say anything to them about it, but you use it to recognize that if I can see this in other people, I'm doing the same thing. So now I'm going to stop studying other people and I'm going to study myself and my not to change them. My study of other people is to see me. And when I see me, then my objective goal is to change me. And then when I change me, I can be an example of that change. But somebody has to want to change in order to follow that example, it's truly up to them. So that's why you keep moving closer to God, even if it pulls that equilateral triangle into an obtuse triangle where you're closer to God and God's closer to you, but she's farther away from you and both God. It doesn't matter the objective goal when you vowed to God that you were going to join that triangle that you're going to keep that triangle no matter how obtuse it gets, that I'm not going to break the triangle. 
Now, if the, the wife or the husband is an unbeliever and they choose to divorce, then to be peaceable, let them go about their business. Don't fight with them to try to keep them because we don't need fights and quarrels anyway. And so this is a good topic, uh, and it's a good thing for people to know. And really, in essence, we didn't just cover in this. We covered both sides in this as well. Godly man looking for a godly woman. Godly woman looking for a godly man. You yourself be godly first, and then you ask God to bring somebody in front of you that is godly as well. Not perfect, but God, because then that's when you have the greatest ability to be able to work and live and grow. And like with Josh and Anna Ruth, <clears throat> them coming to circumcision of the heart when they, at the ages that they have gives them a greater opportunity because I didn't have circumcision of the heart at their age. And it took me uh, a longer time to have it. Well, they have a greater opportunity that when they get to my age, that they together will be farther along than I am at my age between me and my wife because they found it sooner. And it's just a matter of they have the ability uh, by circumcision of the heart to just continually perfect, which, which by all rights should make them better off when they're at my age than I am at my age. And I will continue to learn and grow and increase and improve uh, because that's my mindset, that's my goal, uh, that I'm going to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I'm going to truly love her out of what's best for uh, all of us, both of us, the family, that's how I'm going to operate. And so if you're looking for the godly, then be godly yourself. And the other thing is, does your desire to be connected to somebody overrule your desire to find somebody godly? Because this, this can happen as well. Are you willing to wait? however long it takes, even if you never find an ungodly person that you're going to remain single and devoted to God because you refuse to be connected to an unbeliever, that if you are a believer in God being godly and you want to have somebody who's godly but they just don't come along, are you going to settle for that which your flesh desires or are you going to settle for what God desires? And if God happens to bring somebody along in the process that is godly, then you have an opportunity to make a choice. It's not a fact that God's going to say, here you go, this is them, you marry them. No, God's going to say, look, here's somebody that's godly that you've been looking for. But you have to choose to love them they have to choose to love you because love is a choice and love is about patience, kindness, doing what is right for the other person and self.
together, not just what's perceiving as I'm doing this for you, but it's really for me, and it's a benefit to me. Uh, so I think we've covered a, a pretty good area here, and we've covered both sides, men and women, what to look for. And the key factor is be godly. Seek God with all of your heart. Find that place of circumcision of, your, of the heart. And mother within you will teach you how to continually grow as long as you're looking for making those changes and advancement. You don't want to get circumcision of the heart and just think, okay, I got it now. We got this unified marriage and everything's good. There's nothing I have to do. No, you continually have work to do in the cleaning out of your subconscious, of your heart. That's your heart conscience. You you have a continual process of keeping that house clean. And so we want to make sure that we're continually uh, working through this in a circular perspective. Uh, Sean, is there anything else that uh, you have before we finish up for this morning? The only thing I would say is that no matter if the other person in the relationship is seeking God or not, that make sure that you focus on doing what is right and being godly and let care of the other person because the only person that you can change is yourself. And that being said, we will finish up for this morning and we're going to, Try to set it up so that on Tuesday that see if Josh and Anna Ruth can come in here and sit with you and do the podcast and me and Cindy can watch Liana while they do it. And they'll be up for that. Um, That'll give them both an opportunity to... uh, talk about some of the stuff that we've talked about, their experiences, uh, their struggles in the midst of it as well. Remember, Josh and Anna Ruth, everything for you is a blessing. That's for sure. All right. Well, for Sean and myself, we're going to sign off here. And Lord willing, Josh and Anna Ruth and Sean will be back on Tuesday at 730 just bringing more truth of God and looking forward to seeing what God does with it. Everybody have a good weekend. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, You may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.